Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. Today I'm back to interviewing. It's been a while, I did a little break, but we are restarting with a great, great player, a great indie maker. His name is Kilian Pullin. I hope I said your name correct. How, how do you say your last name, actually? Last name is Poulain, yeah. It's a Poulain. more French, ah, uh, I knew more, it. more like a French pronunciation. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, it's Poulain, but then, uh, okay. Uh, Kylian Poulain, welcome to the show, Kylian. It's great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, that's really cool. It's, it's definitely my pleasure. We'll learn a lot uh, from you for sure. Kylian is working in a company called Mark Copy. Basically helps... Uh, content creators to create great content and and we all know that uh, great content is also an amazing tool to do marketing he started coding when he was 10 and he met his co-founder in college the first day of college right yeah amazing and today we'll be speaking about that journey this company is already making 13k mrr so Killian is definitely doing something right and we are going to figure out what he's doing so Killian, again welcome to the show and i would ask you to do a little introduction about yourself who is Killian? all right well thank you so um yeah like my entrepreneurial journey started officially like right after graduating but like before i think like like most tech founders i started doing many many projects more like uh you know in my bedroom not really uh not really doing any marketing but just like building platforms building websites different projects maybe weird ideas uh but that didn't go anywhere and yeah so after graduating or like the last year of my um engineering studies I started to be more serious about it. I started to learn more about uh, startups. And also like uh, when I was um, doing my uh, internship, I don't know what's the name. I got a call from a friend from engineering school that kind of invited me to start working on a project. For me, that was the beginning of everything because uh, like I I was waiting for a call like this. <laughs> I've been waiting for this forever. <laughs> it was so perfect. Like I immediately accepted because like, it was a good friend, a great project. And we started working together, and now he's still my co-founder. So we've uh, we've built like two big products together, like a kind of a third one, one in the middle that was not really big. I've been more focused like on the tech part, and yeah, that's where I am uh, working on Markopi now. Said so you built a lot of other projects before um, for college, but they were not really successful. Why is that? They were not successful. I don't even know if I tried to make them successful. Like it was that time where I I, I was like so inspired by some stories and uh, you know st stuff about startup that we can read that I just tried to find an idea and build a website. And once I build a website, maybe I was moving on to the next idea without trying to have people using it. But I was just so proud to have a beautiful website, beautiful platform. You're more into building stuff, right? You just wanted to build a website. You want to, you want to see. You're excited about the technology and about tech and about coding. And um, what what attracted you to coding? Like, what what is something that you like about it? Just building, yeah, building stuff. Um, of course, like when you build stuff, your goal is still to have people using it. But um, you know, you just maybe like you when you're too passionate about the tech. 
you will just try like just to build the most beautiful yeah. website and not get users at all and maybe you just forget about the end goal and yeah. so it never frustrated you uh, not to have users in those early on projects it did uh, more like when I, I came to engineering school that's where you know like I was uh, maybe 20 21 and like I was like okay I'm building stuff for what like why am I working for <laughs> and so that's when I started to try to get users with uh, in, in weird ways like just posting links you know on on internet like uh, not writing content yet <laughs> I guess. not yet yeah yeah I learned this <laughs> maybe too late Everyone yeah. isn't too late. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and we'll definitely talk about that, about the, the marketing part. After college, did you go work for, for someone else before getting that uh, famous call? <laughs> well, actually, the, um, the, the way it works in engineering schools in France is that we have a six-month internship at the end. Ah, and yeah. that, that's like kind of real job because we do the same thing as a, like in my case, as a software engineer, it was the same thing. So I actually worked like uh, in a startup in in Portugal at that time. And oh, what was the name? <laughs> it's a it's a French startup, like a uh, very small, very small French startup for the French market. So why was it in Portugal? I think for for the life, the lifestyle, <laughs> better than Paris. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I I worked there. Um, so like kind of like a software engineering job and. Like after COVID hit and I came back to France and it was like the perfect moment kind of to start a business, I felt because, um, yeah, like it was a weird situation with COVID. No one was uh, going to to go to to like less people hiring and a weird situation. So, yeah, we started to to be full time. This was recent. It was uh, what, two years, three years yeah, ago? Two years ago. Yeah. It's quite recent. Yeah. So you're a super young entrepreneur. I mean, I'm 24. Yeah, that's super young, no? Yeah, it's, it's not uh, super young. It's not like I, I started after high school. With 24 making 13K as an entrepreneur, I think that's uh, definitely a success case. Congrats for that. You, It means that in, in the last, uh, I guess, two years, you said that you built three big projects so far. Well, two big projects and like one project was um, related to the first one and very small. We even stopped it like just after, almost after finishing it. So I would say really two big projects. Yeah. So, and the third, the, well, the second then was Mark. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Let's talk about the first ones <laughs> because I want to, I want to hear that. You like failures. Yeah. I think we learned, we learned from both. Sometimes you learn more from failures than from successes. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Tell me about this first project of you, one that did not work. So yeah, the first one, uh, it was a project for like related to e-commerce. So we were we built like a Shopify app actually uh, to help e-commerce stores uh, do some advertisements on on Facebook, on Google, especially Facebook actually, uh, because like if you take the example of dropshippers, like it's all based on ads. And also small e-commerce stores, they really need ads to get some sales quite quickly. And like my co-founder actually had a marketing agency before making that call. And so he knew stuff about this. Um, he had quite some experience with it. So like we, we knew we could help them uh, doing that. Like they needed, because most of them don't have much knowledge in 
um, marketing or ads. So we wanted to build like an app where they could really build it easily. Just give a, give us a few information about their products um, and just like do the rest for them, trying to optimize their ads and things like that. Hey, this is super cool because you're basically speaking about a no marketing tool. <laughs> you know, one thing that I've noticed when I started as a full-time indie, indie maker one year ago was that um, a lot of us, a lot of indie makers, they are terrible at marketing. There's a, this running gag. Where we are like Dagobert, for instance, super famous for making memes around marketing. And I always told my friends as a joke that we should create a no marketing tool. Uh, a, a tool that you can install and easily make marketing. It's basically what you've been doing, right? You you, you also have done that with Mark, um, and we'll speak about that. Uh, but now you're trying to do that for Shopify apps, which, which is super interesting. So why, why did it fail? There, there are so many reasons because it was our first project, but I think the main one was just finding the right audience. And we didn't focus at all on this, so we were kind of all over the place. And we kind of switch audience many times uh, because at first we were like, okay, we're going, I mean, me personally, I was trying to target people who are kind of like me. So more like the consumer type, the small e-commerce store that is just starting and trying to make money with it, trying to make a living with their e-commerce store. And of course, like that's quite a bad idea because they don't have much knowledge about marketing and they don't really know how it works, how much time it takes to have some results and things like that. They don't have much money either. Uh, so a very bad audience to target to start with. And then we started, we also had like, um, we also tried to target like bigger businesses, but maybe too early as well, because we had like zero MRR and we had an MVP, but like the MVP maybe would not answer their needs, you know? Um, so yeah, like we were totally wrong about the audience in, in every way and the timing of where we would reach out to that audience. And yeah, yeah. Actually, some, something happened like at some point is that, you know, when you have an app on Shopify, uh, at some point you get some organic traffic and, and actually quite, quite a lot, like it works quite well. And the people you get is mostly like these small e-commerce stores. And when you're, uh, when it's your first time creating like a SaaS, you're like, wow, I get users so easily, so great. So like, let's build a product for them because I don't need to do marketing. Like they come, they come at me. Like I don't need to go get them. Yeah. But the problem is that this, these shops were like people who were just starting. They didn't know anything about marketing. And if they didn't have results with their ads, like in a few days, they would just quit. Or maybe they would even like uh, run out of money. Um, after spending like $50 a day or something. And yeah, so it was totally the wrong, the wrong audience. Was the product good? Was the product solving the, the problem? Yeah, the, the product in, at the beginning was, I think, was not good because we didn't focus on the right problem. Uh, but in the end, it was, it was quite good with uh, maybe too many features, but like it was, it was quite good, could do a lot. Just like uh, people were expecting fast results, quick results. And that's not the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Marketing that we are all hope that there's a, a magic button that one can click and suddenly have uh, paying users coming every day. But unfortunately, it just does not exist. 
you just mentioned something that I've been discovering, which is really important, um, especially I think for bootstrappers, which is to start with finding your audience. This is something that um, we never actually learned. And the, I don't know if you if you followed like uh, startup podcasts and, and read books. Normally, no one mentions this. Normally, they speak that you need to build your product. You, you need to build your MVP closer to an audience. But they never really say that you should start with the audience, finding the audience, understanding what's their problems, even before writing one line of code. So I, I do believe that this is a, a big mistake that all of us do because we just don't, do not know better. But the more people I interview, the more I understand that it's really important to start by finding an audience. And uh, in this case, this was your problem with your first company or your first project. Did you correct that for uh, for uh, Mark copy? Like we totally corrected it. Like we we fixed it. Like I think we. I don't know if we. I don't remember if we did it like naturally or if we really thought about this. Like we need to find the right audience, but. The way we did it is like because we like we were using GPT three, and so like every free trial had a cost. So I think naturally we 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 thought like we can't open up the app too much, otherwise like we will have a we will spend a lot of money and we don't know if we can convert them. What what is for the audience? What is uh, GPT three? Yeah, so like uh, it's a model, like it's a uh, OpenAI is the company that has uh, that created GPT three, a model to generate um, content. Um, and so yeah, basically, like the um, since we had this cost, we didn't want to open up too much, so we had a private beta, and so we would reach out to people, and we would like only grant them access if they were interested. Okay, but you already had a, pro- a product. Yeah, so we had the product first. Yeah, that's true. Well, why did you build it? Like, uh, what, what was the problem you're trying problem you're trying to solve? Let, let's first describe uh, what what is actually markcopy.ai, right? So, would you, would you mind doing a little pitch? Well, yeah, I think it can also answer uh, answer this question. It's like we we were still working on our first project, first product, and even like the the second small one, and we were having a lot of difficulties to write content for for the first product like uh, we're trying to have a blog post trying to write guides because people needed to be educated like our users really needed that content and we needed it for seo too and it was so difficult like we had uh, we tried to do it ourselves we tried to hire a freelancer but both were like either costly or very time consuming and then like we got access to gpt3 like kind of a um, just like that, like kind of a random thing. So we tried yeah. it. Which sounds like magic, like GPT-3. I don't know if for the people that didn't use it, it allows you to basically write some some key points. For instance, you just write, uh, I want to write a blog post about, uh, I don't know, cards. And then it basically writes stuff, like really like interesting stuff. Uh, it, it really looks like magic. It looks out of this world. So it's, it's super exciting to have early access to it. Yeah, and you can, like, the thing with GPT-3 is, like, you can kind of uh, change some settings, like, uh, you can make it more creative, you can make it more specific to uh, um, a topic. Uh, you can really play around with it and so get the the content you need in the end. Uh, so there's really some, it's really fun to play with, and then the result is also helpful. So when we discovered this, like, we're like, okay, we need to build something with it. And so it could actually work with our first product. 
but we decided like not to make the first product too big like with uh, it's kind of like a new app so we were like okay we're just going to build a third app very indie hacker you know uh, style because like the hackers love to build many many products and so like we were like third product cool like if we combine all of them like we will have uh, some good mrr and and so yeah so we started doing that and actually like uh, we used it for our own marketing but uh we also found that people were interested when we talked about it to like other startup founders just curious like okay how can it really help and so like we were like okay that's cool we're going to try it out and uh, and market it as well and we kind of uh that we kind of messed up that part so i'm going to go back actually to the original question about uh like the audience but we kind of messed up that part because uh, like we were we were like, OK, we're going to sell it to freelancers, to content writers because they write content all the time. Right. So like, yeah, they need to save time. They need to save, you know, and that didn't work out at all. OK, why? Because like they were scared of like the problem is the word AI. It's a bit scary for some people, like it might replace some jobs. And it's like they're really scared, especially that no one new mark copy like it was like a new thing coming from nowhere so like there was no way to trust it like so it's really something that's going to replace all the jobs and so what are like the main features of mark copy the main feature is like to write uh, long form content so basically blog posts guides uh, that are optimized for seo so we have an seo feature on top of that uh, which is so not related to gpt3 so like really like just to help you have a a good structure, some keywords, just to help you uh, rank it better and on relevant keywords. And so, yeah, that's the main feature. And after you can also use it for other purposes like uh, social media, maybe some some brainstorming of uh, of posts, uh, yeah, emails, things like that. We have a few other different tools that are like more short form contents, but the long form content is like the core feature of a uh, of more copy. But can you like give me an example on how to use it? Um, like a specific example, like so. Let's say I want to write something about for about uh, entrepreneurship, for instance. Um, how would this app help me? So it, actually, it's a good example because like if you come just with one topic, like one even one word, like your maybe your your audience is uh, wants to know things about entrepreneurship, then you're just going to use one of our tools, type entrepreneurship, and you will get some post blog post ideas or guide ideas. And so you get the title with it. And once you get the title, you can start to generate the introduction and the outline. And the outline will be like the direction where you're going with the, the guide. And then you can continue to generate content. So we have different tools like Paragraph, for example, that will help you to build uh, another part of the guide or the blog post. So we kind of build blocks by blocks. I, I, I was like, I'm listening to it and, and it, it's too good to be true, too good to believe. Like, how good is the, the quality of this content? Because one thing that I've heard when I started checking this, this kind of content, uh, and in the WB space, people were sharing it and we we're like, ah, oh, this is super cool. But then this question arose, which was, uh, 
first of all, is Google, is this SEO friendly, right? Because at some point, everyone will be writing about entrepreneurship. It's super easy to write. You just have to type one word. Uh, how, like, what is the diversity of this content? Would Like, in the end, wouldn't we have, like, all similar blog posts uh, out there? Yeah, so that, that was like uh, the one of the first questions we got. And this is like easy to answer because like it's it's really like it's really creative. This AI is creative. So it's not like uh, someone else is going to generate a exact same content with the same um, by entering the same thing, like by typing uh, entrepreneurship. They're not going to get the same results. So that that's really for sure. And also like another thing we had to answer is like about... Uh, like, uh, is it like, can we find the same content on Google? And so, yeah, that's also something that uh, it's not the case. Like, it's really content that is created by the AI. So we added like a, a tool that's to check like uh, the plagiarism scan, like to have a plagiarism scan with a score. And like people can see that it's always like 0% or like maybe it can go to like 2 or 3%, but not more than this. And so, yeah, it's, it's like creative. So, mm. I, I, I was like, I'm listening to it and, and it, it's too good to be true, too good to believe. Like, how good is the, the quality of this content? Because one thing that I've heard when I started checking this, this kind of content uh, and in the WB space, people were sharing it and we we're like, ah, oh, this is super cool. But then this question arose, which was, uh, first of all, is Google, is this SEO friendly? Right, because at some point, everyone will be writing about entrepreneurship. It's super easy to write. You just have to type one word. Uh, how, like, what is the diversity of this content? Would like in the end, wouldn't we have like all similar blog posts uh, out there? The the goal of more copy is not like to generate your blog post, uh, you copy paste and you post it. So the goal is like maybe you're going to spend like a few minutes. Uh, if you really want to have a long guide, the beautiful guide, you're going to spend maybe 30 minutes on it. Um, but you're not going to generate your whole blog post and like just close your eyes while it generates. It's, <laughs> it's not like you could do it, but this is what you're saying. I'm picturing that now. I'm picturing some developer like... <laughs> Typing something, closing, please, 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 please. And then open, open, opening their eyes and like, wow, a thousand words. You can do it, actually. You can do it. But I I don't recommend doing that because it's uh, the, the content is not going to be great. Or actually, the I feel like it's not really bad, but it's probably not going in the direction you want it to go. Like it's going to be maybe too creative and start to talk about other topics or things like that. That's why, like, you have to build blocks by blocks. Can we compare it with an IDE for coding, right? So when you're using an IDE, you start typing something and then it uh, generates code or auto autocorrects or something like that. And it helps you, right? You can also just go to Stack Overflow and copy paste all the code, but it wouldn't work or wouldn't be as good. But if you just use the IDE and then use their uh, autocomplete features, uh, then you write code much faster and it's still with great quality. Is it like somehow similar for uh, content creators? It's actually quite similar because we have a button that is called like write more. And so you can just like select the, the like maybe one sentence and click write more and it's going like to expand like the sentence. So just to expand your idea. 
So it's kind of the same thing, like that's like the kind of autocompletes. And like also we we'd also generate like blocks, so like more like paragraph or introduction. Yeah. But this is the same, like you're probably going to edit some parts. And like that, I mean, that's your responsibility kind of if you want to have a quality uh, article. Like you, sh- you should just focus on saving time, but not like on saving like too much time. Like you have to, to make it like good. Yeah. And yeah, so like our customers that are really like using it uh, like uh, daily, they don't like just press buttons and just copy paste. Like they spend maybe 30 minutes on their article, but in the end, like they have a quality article and no one will tell the difference because like they, they still like, Easy. yeah. How much time do they save actually? We say like three times faster, but we try to get some feedback, you know, we try to record some feedback from customers. And I think it just depends on how how much experience they have in writing content. You ever try to like do a competition, like get one person to write the same topic, you know, same topic, same kind of blog post, and then one with a mark copy and the other one without it and like just compare. We we didn't do it, but we're planning to do like kind of something like that, something a bit fun. It would be really fun, like a YouTube video doing that. That would be super fun. I think so too. Yeah, it's is and also like we should have kind of a competition where we 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 kind of grade like the the results, which yeah. blog post is yeah, better, yeah, yeah. to see if like the the ah, AI you could have has... judges exactly like because the the goal of the AI is also like to brainstorm some ideas. So like you're going to be able to maybe have more ideas, more. Maybe the blog post will be more creative. Like in 30 minutes, it will be more, much more creative than the other one. Yeah. So, yeah. I have to say, I'm, I'm super excited to try the product now because it's really solving a problem. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a no marketing uh, tool somehow, or it, it's in that, in that scope. One thing that I need to understand, though, you, again, you said that you didn't have an audience for starting the product. You started the product because you were excited about this technology. Were you already using... Um, Twitter or already in, in this in this realm of like indie makers were you already uh, there or not? Uh, so I wasn't much in the world of indie hackers indie hackers because I really didn't know them. I was uh, like I joined I started really joining Twitter um, before I started the, like the first line of code of the MVP. So like, I was like I'm going to build it in public. I'm going to build the whole thing in public because I started to see some people doing it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to join this. Um, but the, at the beginning, it was a bit difficult. And that's like when we really started to find the right audience, that's where I was uh, really much more active. And before that, um, were you somehow connected with the Shopify owners and Shopify uh, app pr- builders? Were you like communicating with them regularly or not so much? Uh, we were in many, many Facebook groups. Like Facebook groups were a good uh, channel for for this. Uh, like there's lots of people who try to help each other in this industry. We we had uh, like many demos with um, like really video calls with uh, with Shopify uh, store owners. Right. But uh, yeah, like we we were not like uh, we didn't have our own Shopify store. But um, before my co-founder like was kind of in the e-commerce, like he tried to do some e-commerce before, 
So he also knew some people who uh, were in this like industry. Okay. Yeah. So did that help you to validate or, or to know that Mark Copy could be a good idea even before starting? Because you, you spoke with so many people uh, that needed content, that needed to do marketing. Um, was it some uh, a differentiator factor, something that helped you uh, before building your product? Yeah, I think it gave us motivation like to go further and even like to drop the first project product like we we dropped it quite quickly because like we had so many people who seem to be interested but um you know it's like people they validate your idea by saying uh yeah that would be great but then after you know they don't show up so uh yeah. so yeah it, it gives some it gave some motivation but then it didn't help much to get like the first uh the first users so you built the mvp you started targeting freelancers at first um, but you said it didn't it didn't work. What what does that mean? Like they were not paying. Um, you were not getting people in your website. Why didn't so, it work? So we had a, a great way to figure it out. I realized later that it was a great way, but it really was. Like we had the, the um, we asked for the the credit card upfront, so they had to enter the credit card to start a free trial, and. Like people were just not signing up, like not starting a free trial. So that was a good sign. Like they were curious. They, when we talked to them, like they wanted to try the tool, but when they had to enter their credit card, it was like a big no, like, no, why? Like, uh, it, we, we knew like they, maybe they had the problem, but they didn't want to solve it this way. Yeah. But uh, you know, it could also be that is such a new product that people were they they didn't believe that it could actually solve it couldn't match the what what it was selling so they didn't want to give their credit card data because now i realize that you you do not ask for a credit for the credit card data yeah we stopped uh, we, we still kept it for six months but uh, at some point it was like too limiting but yeah like uh Maybe at the time we didn't know like this credit card upfront meant something, but we switched to another audience. So we started to get different people when we were stuck, like with very few users. How how did that affect you? Uh, how did that affect your motivation? You built this awesome product, you release it to your target audience, and no one is converting, no one is paying. It's it's really strange because we we found value in, in in the product, so we were kind of confident because of that, and also really like just same thing as now. Like if I talk about the idea and I talk about what it does, people are like wow, and that's like a kind of a huge motivation when you see people that are like wow, like they have wow faces. But really strange that people don't want to try the the product. And so that's where we realized, like, uh, we're just going to target this people like us, like just founders. And and then you switched to a, to a different audience. Where did you find them on Twitter or? Yeah, so actually, it was very easy to switch because the only way, like, the only way we we're having users was either post on LinkedIn or Twitter. But we did had a very very tiny audience, so like, didn't really bring users. What really bring users was like just sending DMs. Uh, on LinkedIn or Twitter, mostly on LinkedIn. And so we could target exactly who we wanted. Like uh, we saw a content writer in the in the title, like we were going to send a message. And then later we saw a startup founder, we were going to send a message. What kind of message? 
you figure out how to how to properly send this kind of cold messages because I've tried it and it's super hard. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what was the message, but I guess like uh, we we tried a bunch of things too, and the the best way is like to to just show them the value they can get with the product and try to get them like on the demo right away. And it's true, you get like you don't get a lot of replies, but like if you automate these DMs in the end, like you still get some some demos. So what is the structure? Like, do you introduce yourself first? No, it's a very short message. What I remember is like in the end, like it was just showing the the value of the product, um, and not not like not saying that we wanted to sell it to them. Like more like uh, just we wanted to introduce the solution to them and see how it could help them, something like that. Okay. And the, the reply rate was very low, I guess, but um, we st we still got the demos, and then the goal was to convert like every demo, but. Uh, once we we got the demo, like that's like the part where we need to uh, to really convince. Yeah, a message would look like something like, um, "Hi, uh, Mark. Mark AI uh, will help you generate content three times faster. Can we book a demo?" And then send a Calendly link, something like this. I think it wasn't exactly like that. I think the the, the message was more like. Uh, like you know getting some information from their profile um like about their company uh most, most often this especially for for founders and like just trying to having one information so we can automate this you know how would you generate the message using uh, mark copy no no ah that would be cool though <laughs> yeah it could be cool because yeah. how can you automate that then because if you have to go profile by profile and check their uh, their uh, websites and everything how can you automate it uh, you know, there, there are some tools we can like just like get the the title and get like the uh, just some information about the company. I, I feel like at least at least the name and just like uh, because you can know the industry, you know, so you can just like uh, try to have a message that works for all of them. What? Um, There's tools doing that. Yeah. What can you tell me the names? And we were using. We were, we were using like, uh, I think it's a French tool. I think it's Relaxy. And th that works for LinkedIn. That works for Twitter. Uh, we only did uh, LinkedIn. I think because Twitter like has, uh, you know, some rules where you can't do that too much. And actually I tried a little bit to do these things and I got banned like uh, right away. Like Twitter was really not a solution for this. But uh, LinkedIn worked. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you started doing that. Um, are these tools also helping you finding these people? Because on LinkedIn, to send a message, you need to be connected to them, right? So you need first to connect to them and then send the message. Yeah, it's like it's in the process uh, of this like lead generation um, tools. Like you, they they have a request and there's like an automated message right after. I receive some so often now, like it's a true. I also like get I have them, a connection. Yeah, yeah. How much does it cost to use? There, there's probably like a first plan that about like fifty per month, something like that. Fifty five zero. Mm. Yeah, but it's worth. Or it. maybe there's there's cheaper ones. I'm not sure. I'm, like I'm really not sure. I didn't use this for like one right. year now, one year and a half. But yeah, it's it's worth it. I think at the beginning because you you don't want to scale this too much. Um, 
but just at the beginning when you have zero audience it can be a boost like a good way to get like the first customers or to validate an idea right yeah yeah so after that you started seeing users converting right they, they were see go to the demo the demo was uh like in video right so you actually yeah was it you or is it your co-founder that would do yeah, my co-founder was uh, more experienced in this because he had some experience in sales. So like he did uh, most of them. And really like he could convert uh, the founders quite well. Um, and the, the content writers was were always the same objections, you know. So we could see the difference also in the demos. It's so interesting because you basically had the same product. But you just change your audience and suddenly you're in business. Yeah, but it's crazy because like we could have continued for so long trying the same audience and maybe changing the product so that they like it. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. What what made you change? Made you change? Who had this idea that's like, no, let's first try different audience before. I think it's just um, we we were still convinced by the product because people were like really giving us some motivation to continue. Right, like, yeah, wow, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And so we just like, it's so easy. Like when you use some automated tools like this, automation tools, it's so easy to switch. Like just have to create a new campaign and just try it. And yeah, so like we just did it like this. And yeah, it, it worked in, in a few days that like we got our first customer. That's incredible. How did you um, manage your, your tasks or... Um... Or your workload. So it's, it's like your co-founder is working more on marketing and you were focused more on building the product or would you also work on marketing? Uh, how do you handle this work? So at first, the, the, the first product, we since we were both engineers, like we were both like really focused on the product, um, building the product. And then like onto the product was really good, starting to do some marketing and demo calls and things like that. Here we did a little bit different with the second product. Like, like my co-founder helped me to build the the product like the first maybe two weeks, and we took like maybe thirty days to build the MVP. And then after, like he more he was more focused on trying to find um, like leads and make some demo calls, and yeah, much much less code. Um, and yeah, until we get like uh, the 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 first customers, yeah. How did you start developing the product further? Because that was the MVP, right? So you built MVP and you were able to sell it. And then you started adding new features. How did you decide which features to use? I think the MVP, the, the problem with the MVP is you always want to, you always try to build like, um, at least if you have experience, you try to build features that are not too complicated. And so that was the case Like you could, you could like um, generate long form contents, but without like a proper text editor, for example. So not very easy to use. So the next updates were more like UX, much more like UX. Yeah. Okay. And um, how did you know that those were the, the right updates? You like listen to feedback of your users? Was it like because you are also a user yourself? Yeah, so the, the first users, they join, but actually they know they join as early users. So they, they, they know the product is not totally finished and they, they help us, like they give us feedback about what they want to do. Uh, so it helps. And also we like, we check data, even if we don't have too many users, we can still know which features they use 
and like which features they don't use at all. And so we know like see, if they use one feature, maybe we should like double down on this one and make it like. A, one thing that you also tweeted um, recently was that we should treat each feature as an MVP, right? So uh, can you expand on that? What does that mean? Like imagine if we had only like tools to write short form content without the text editor. Building a text editor can be very long if you want to have many features, like if you want to reproduce maybe a Google Docs, for example. And like if you just build, build a Google Docs and then ship it, it's going to take maybe months or I don't know, at least many weeks. So in case you should just build a small feature and then like you will improve the UX, you will improve everything, but at least people can see it, people can judge it, people can give feedback about it. And you can also have the data like that's that works if you have more users, but if you have more users, you can have like, I don't know, amplitude or some tools right. like this to check if they click on the button, if they don't, then you know, you need to change, change the UX or maybe yeah, make something different. Right. So like anyway, there will always be many versions of the pro of the feature. Mm -hmm. So like just ship one small version and then iterate. Yeah. So one thing that I also realized that I totally agree with you, this is the right way to do it. Um, but maybe because of that, because we developers know that we are allowed to do this. We are allowed to release something that is still maybe not super optimized, but we can just release again and in... in in less than a second, the new code will be everywhere and people will see the new feature. With marketing, it's different, right? Like with marketing, you can try sending a message that is still not very optimized, but that might mean that you have zero um, conversion and then you cannot just send another message to, to update the first one, right? Because they'll be like, yeah. okay, this is spam. Um, what You can try with other people. Yeah, you can try with other people, but you lost the one, the first, the first one, right? Like it's the same with the launch. You... If you launch on product hunt, you can take your time and do a proper launch. Or if you do a shitty launch, then you need to wait for six months until you do another one, right? So that's that's a, a very big difference between the approach you take when you're building a product as a developer and, and when you're marketing your product, right? Um, is there something else that, that you... Well, you didn't work for a really long time as a developer, but you had a lot of experience before. Um, so you build a lot of products. What other differences are there between the developer mindset and the marketing mindset? Mm. I mean, for me, marketing mindset is still a lot about iteration. I, I agree like about the, the way you talk to people is uh, like once you miss someone, you once you do something bad with uh, like a lead, you can't get him, get him back. But I see it more like as uh, there's so many possible leads, so many possible users that you can just try again and iterate. And like the, the, the problem is more like with the marketing that takes time. Like if you're like, for example, content or creating an audience, like you can't make too many mistakes. Like the decisions you take, like, um, like which audience, like on which uh, topic you want to write about, things like this, like you need to decide it early on because if you want to switch later, it's going to be difficult and take a long time to like build a new audience. So yeah, these decisions are like finding your target audience and start building on that. Takes time. Yeah. You need to kind of uh, make sure you don't you don't screw it up from from the start. And and you're absolutely right. The sending messages, for instance, is something that you can always iterate, uh, especially if you have a big enough market, right? 
and just like, okay, this startup founder didn't work, but there's another thousand. That- and like, so the goal, I think, is just to iterate first on some things like uh, the audience, uh, the, the message also, uh, same for the copy. Right. And once you iterate on this, like you take maybe bigger decisions like, okay, now I'm building an audience on social media that will be focused on this topic. And yeah. But it's, it's, it's quite, actually, it's quite similar to like building features in that way. Like you take a decision, you, you take the product into one direction uh, because like uh, f- for some reasons, maybe you talk to users and they all agree on one thing. So like you have some research and then you take big decisions and uh, and you can't really go back that easily. You try to point the ship in the right direction first. And then you, when you know it's the right direction, you just go full throttle. Yeah. I think with my first product, that's exactly what I did wrong. Like I just went in all over the place. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just Got circle, it. you go into a circle and you never stop uh, doing wrong things. So... How much money were you making in this first launch? When you launched and you found your audience and you were able to get some people, how much money were you making? Yeah, so with the second product, uh, like we had maybe one month, something like that, a bit more of a private beta mm-hmm. where like we couldn't um, get like uh, customers. Then we switched. Then we got like one customer, I think in end of July, beginning of August, like uh, two years ago. And at the end of August, I think we were close to 1K MRR. So like in one month, just like after finding the audience, like we, we really got like new customers regularly. Um, and same for the following months, like same growth rates. Yeah. And the, your strategy for growing was sending messages, right? Um, did that change in the, in the between? Yeah, it was mostly to get the, the first customers. But once we did that, it was mostly like uh, audience. So LinkedIn for my co-founder and me, it was Twitter. And then like we tried to write content, but of course, limited time because we were still building the, the product. And uh, yeah, so SEO was like a long term goal. But and so, yeah, social media, mostly uh, mostly growing an audience on social media. And what about now? Can Do you have more SEO traffic? Now we we have more SEO traffic, uh, but still, I think we're lacking some content. So like we're going to double down on that. Okay. I, I think recently like we had a much better growth, so like we don't need to try to find things huge things to solve. Um, so we can focus a bit more on the contents. Yeah. So now you you just reached thirteen um, k. So in Two years, right? Is it was it took two two years to reach thirty? Uh, like this product is just like uh, actually no, this product is uh, I said two years, but yeah, this product is one year old. Yeah. One year old. So in one year you got to thirteen k, which is really really amazing. Most of the that money goes you, right? Or do you like reinvested? Do do you have any costs? Yeah, I think it's a very different from a solo founder. Like in terms of structure, just legal structure. Um, because like, uh, all the money is reinvesting in the company. Um, and like, if we, if we pay, like we still pay ourselves salaries now, but like quite low. And if we, we can't pay a lot cause like we have more taxes, I think, than, than if you are, have a, a legal structure right. for one person. So yeah, the goal is just to reinvest everything. And we've made some hires also. Uh, um, what did you like, hire? We were, what kind of? 
so like at first we started with uh someone that is that has really like two big skills which are like design and marketing so it's really great because like we could really do both social media and like have a much better design because yeah. like we're not designers and then like we had a second hire which was the uh, same like kind of marketing for emails and social media as well okay. are they full-time or part-time no it's it's part-time uh, actually there is like apprenticeship contract so it's uh yeah like but why though like you're making 13k i mean both of you could be making already what 5k or something which is quite a good salary already but you decide to reinvest um why is that because you think that you can really make this into a big company is that your is that your goal i i think so yeah it's it's the goal i think the goal is to have a i don't know if it's a big company like the goal is to have a company that like has a, a good like a high revenue so like that's the goal like the the mrr is a goal uh the size of the company we'll see like that's depends what we need but we really want to get there like uh, of course as fast as possible so if we need to hire like we will do it and it doesn't matter if like we it means like lower salary or something but we still have growth rate so we know we can go higher So yeah, and and actually, most people, I feel most people like they decide to maybe like just not reinvest and take the money for themselves because they want to keep the the freedom of not having employees or you know yes, like yeah, uh, yeah. being able to move. But we're still able to do that because we have like a remote work, async work. So I don't feel like we really have less freedom than if we were not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. What what are your conversion rates? Like, uh, like people that come to your website target users, how many converts? Uh so the conversion rate is uh like now we kind of have a new system which is like Teams and the Teams is like close like a bit lower than 3% um conversion rate from free trial to paid. Um yeah so and, and like actually it's getting it was a bit better before but then we had the product run launch and now we have so many free trials every day but it's very hard to convert them because they come yeah. from kind of everywhere and not very qualified leads so conversion rate is kind of decreasing uh, a little bit okay so three percent from free trial uh which is not it's not super huge right it's not huge yeah i mean I think it's still difficult to figure out what's a good one after one year because everything I find is a benchmark from like startups that have been there for years and right, years right. and they tell you like yeah it should be like seven ten percent yeah but it takes time to get there right so yeah. like what what should it be after one year I have really no idea and how much do they pay you um per month On average, it's like uh, about like seventy dollar per month okay but you also have a very good uh margins and 70 is quite a good amount yeah so if you have a lower conversion rate but higher uh margins right like then higher basket then it's and i think it's the goal when you grow when you grow you start to either increase prices or like maybe ha add some custom plans so like we just started to do this it's just the beginning but of course like it will really change yeah. like the average value per customer well amazing 
uh, Killian, this is really, really interesting. It's been amazing to learn more uh, about your journey. As, as a last question, are you living the dream? <laughs> you know, that, that entrepreneurial dream that you had, uh, the, the reason why you were so excited to pick up that call, uh, is this all you had imagined or you'd prefer, okay, I, I, now I want to go work for someone else? <laughs> It's not like I imagine, but I still love it. Like it's it's just for different reasons. Like what I loved about um, startups and why I wanted to create a startup was kind of build a great product, having like many people using it. So that's already the case, and I I would love to see that. Like I'm I feel so happy to see like the map with uh, customers uh, all over the the world. But the thing I saw differently was the fact of uh, like a startup team working in an office and like uh, kind of the happy vibe in the office yeah. now my dream is like actually no it's like remote like totally remote and asynchronous work like now yeah so like it's different from what i thought but it's great thank you so much um for for taking your time it's such a pleasure to to learn from your journey so thank you very much yeah, it was great to discuss about it. And thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'll, I'll share um, your Twitter profile and uh, the Mark Copy website on the show notes. And if you want me to share anything else, I will also do that. Uh, awesome. And I'm sure that a lot of people here would love to, to try out the, the product because I will definitely try it out. Looks really, really cool. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Thiago. And this is the end of another WB interview. If you are a new listener, there's many other interviews for you to listen at uh, wannabe-entrepreneur.com. I have interviewed many indie hackers from uh, multiple backgrounds and with lovely and amazing journeys that uh, you can learn from. On Tuesdays, I release my own episodes, episodes where I narrate my own indie hacking journey and uh, if you want to know more about myself and about my journey make sure to listen to that too we also have a community a community for uh, bootstrappers we have bootstrappers from all over the world trying to reach our ramen profitability it costs ten dollars per month to join and we have events we have an accelerator we have many interesting features and you'll be also supporting this podcast so if you want to do that go again to the website the link will be in the description and last but not least we also have amazing wb merch on uh, store.wannabe-entrepreneur.com this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time